Welcome to Own the Microphone. Join me, Bridget McGowan, an award-winning international professional speaker and owner of the independent publishing company, BMAC Talks Press. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of Own the Microphone. I am Bridget McGowan, and I have with me today, Nicole Roberts-Jones. Nicole, welcome to the show. Yay, thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Now, Nicole, I was reading through your bio and your background, and you're just amazing. You have so much experience under your belt, but you didn't start speaking first. Did I get that right? Mm -hmm. So first of all, let me just say this. If someone would have said to me back in 1993, 29, almost 30 years ago, I'm like, hey, how old am I? That I'd be doing this, I would have said, girl, hush, uh, uh no. <laughs> No, first of all, when I started a business and no one believes me that I'm actually shy. So let me just give you context to both quickly. So one, I worked in the entertainment industry. It was a job I've dreamed of since I was seven years old. So first I worked for Viacom's largest cable network. We had an outreach over 89 million homes on a weekly basis. From there, I worked in casting for the number one TV show on Fox. And then from there, I worked with a production group and what we produced generated over $12.6 billion a year. Now I said that Bridget, cause I want you to know if you know me, like I think you know me, you already know I was going to all the hot Hollywood parties, right? Yes. Bumping elbows with stars, people you've seen on TV and have looked at on film. So I was living the dream, right? but in the dark of the night when I was by myself, I felt like something was missing and I, I couldn't understand how I could feel like this when I loved my job. And so that kind of began my whole entrepreneurship journey. I didn't know then, like I know now. So what happened is I was dazed and confused. And when I would talk to my girlfriends about it, they would say, are you crazy? I, I was like, well, I feel crazy. <laughs> right. Right. And so the more I prayed about it, I didn't hear anything. God was silent. I'm like, okay, look, I don't know what the heck to do, but something is off. So one of my girlfriends invited me to volunteer at a program at our church one Friday night. And as I started working with young women in my church that night, as their eyes lit up, my heart lit up and I said, oh my God, this is the thing. And I'm saying it like that because this was again, 1993. I'd never heard of coaching, but for the first time my soul was alive. So that really is what started me on this mission to start doing this thing. And now, like I said, 29, almost 30 years later, I've been in it and working with highly skilled professionals to get clear on their purpose and how to build multiple streams of income from it. But did it, it started with speaking, it started with coaching, it started with both. It started with being a volunteer at my church. Now, when yeah. I wouldn't call it coaching, it was sleepovers with teenage yeah. girls. Right. And then I always say purpose matriculates like we do through the school system. You know, we start in elementary and go to junior high and high school and et cetera, et cetera. Well, God knew at 23 back then, there's no way I could have been working with adults because I was barely an adult at 23. Right. right. So I started working with teenage girls as a volunteer at my church. And we'd have sleepovers on Friday night. And what I was doing was workshops to help them understand what their purpose is and really to craft a career journey. Of course, the goal was college um, and really helping them get on that path. So as my girls started graduating from college, they started calling me with what I say, grown folks issues, like I'm not making enough money or I don't like my job or anywhere in between. And so that's when I really started coaching and doing this work I'm doing now. They started referring their friends to me. One of them sent me an article and said, you know, you're my coach. Oh, is that what this is? So that's when. And so if I'm really transparent with you at the same time that happened, okay, now y'all want you to get this. This is a call on the mic. Okay. Cause I was not owning anybody's mic. Okay. So <laughs> when anytime, so the church I went to was 18,000 members, Bridget. Okay. 
So anytime we had, yeah. So anytime we had to make an announcement, I would write it out. I would then coach one of my girls to do it. And I'd call it leadership development because I was not trying to get on that stage. Right. (laughs) So one Sunday, one Sunday, my pastor says, so the way that it would happen is you'd have to send the announcement to pastor's office, they approve it. And then I train my girls to do it. Not be sitting, you know, on the front row, clapping it up for them, but they'd be doing it. So this particular Sunday, pastor said, okay, I want to do the announcement. Just bring it in the pulpit. So girl, you need to know. I put on my cutest outfit on that Sunday because I was going <laughs> in the pulpit. Now, little did I know, and I'm making a long story short, y'all, is what happened is when I came in the pulpit, pastor pulled my hand to sit down. So now I'm waving to my friends in the pulpit like, hey, girl, hey, you know. So what happened, making a long story short, is when it was time to do the announcements, I'm trying to hand him the announcement. Pastor pushed me in front of the microphone. Now, listen, I was shaking so hard I couldn't read my paper. I know the choir that was standing behind me probably thought I was dancing. That's how hard I was shaking. I don't even know if my sentences <laughs> made sense, if my words went together. And let me tell you, I was so pissed at my pastor. I'm being honest, y'all. So when I walked out of that pulpit, my knees were shaking so hard. I thought I was going to fall in front of the whole church. I sat down. I calmed myself down. I waited till church was over. And I went to give pastor a piece of my mind. <laughs> and here's what he said back to me. He said, those of you that are, are from LA, it was first day in me church, Pastor uh, Cecil L. Chip Murray, his voice, daughter. And I'm like, uh uh uh, don't, mm-mm, mm-mm, don't even try, right? And so, what he pretty much said to me is, God is calling you forward. You're so humble that you would never try to be seen, but it's your time. And, you know, people started calling me out of nowhere to come speak that following week. So, knees knocking, teeth chattering, I became a speaker. Wow. Wow. Because I'm on the same page with you. I would have been livid. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Right. Now, I want to circle back to something that may seem inconsequential, but it caught my attention. Mm -hmm. You said how when you knew you were going to be up on that stage, up on that dais, and, and you put on your cutest outfit because mm-hmm. I'm look you know especially as black women you know we're gonna be seen we're gonna make sure we have it together I'm gonna keep it go. real y'all right mm-hmm. now <laughs> let's talk about that how mm-hmm. important that is yeah with speaking engagements like having on an outfit that makes you feel on fire on top of the world powered up well here's the other thing I've had to learn so again if you guys we're really hearing every piece of my story. I started this work at 23. At 23, especially when you're in a church and everybody is a professional, they weren't taking me seriously. So part of who I had to be is nine times out of 10, people thought I was a a teenager in my program. No, no, no. I'm the CEO, right? So I realized that you never get a second chance to make a first impression. Your outfit shows up before you open your mouth. So if I don't look like I own this particular role that I'm coming in, people won't take me seriously. And I learned it the hard way. Yeah. I, 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 I could not have said it better. There is an author that I'm a real fan of. She's also a professional speaker and she's an image consultant. Mm. She travels the world with helping people understand how image is going to speak so much more loudly than anything you can say. Her name is Sylvie DeGusto. Mm. And the title of her book is The Image of Leadership. Mm. And let me tell you, Nicole, she says that people form an impression of you within the first seven seconds of seeing you before you even open your mouth. And Mm -hmm. like you said, you need to 
show up as if you are in command yep. and that you own the stage. And I, I mean, I think that's half the battle. Yeah. Just looking and feeling confident because you make a good point about being 23 looking not much older than the young ladies you were mentoring and, and right. coaching and leading and how could you be taken seriously and I, I used to listen yeah. I used to have on jeans and a t-shirt working with them because it's Friday night and right. we're in church so I quickly learned that I couldn't show up that way so I started wearing suits at 23 yeah. right I still have on a t-shirt though but I'd have on a suit jacket and suit pants and yeah. people started looking at me differently that's when I first realized one little shift yeah. And how I, my appearance, and it didn't have to, it doesn't have to be expensive, but it has to be, you can't go wrinkled, you can't go dirty, you know, you got to be groomed. It makes a big difference in how people perceive who you be. I'm, te I'm telling you, we cannot drive that point home uh, hard enough or far enough. Right. Uh, that is huge for me. That is mm -hmm. huge for me whenever I'm getting ready to get on a stage, whether it is a conference where I'm a breakout speaker and I may or may not be getting paid, or yep. if I'm on a big stage for, you know, center point energy or you know, the CDC or whatever. And mm -hmm. I know there's a check at the end of the day, right. I'm still going to make sure treat every engagement as if it's a paid one. And I want right. to talk a little bit more about credibility since we're on it. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so first it starts with the appearance, but then the next part is it starts with your opening words and mm -hmm. how you make sure you establish your credibility with just the first things that people hear. Mm -hmm. What they hear from you needs to match what they see yeah. from you. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Sure. So one of the things that I've learned, two things. Okay. So we talked about appearance, but there's two more things I learned. One is be First of all, let me say this. Everywhere you go, there you are. I'm going to say that one more time because if I didn't get that yet. Everywhere you go, there you are. So that means that I am always a brand caught me. So there's a couple of things you're going to get. I'm always going to be impeccably dressed because I'm a recovering shopaholic because that's just who I am. Okay, number one. Number two, I am one part, one part, I'm from South Central LA and one part bougie. So my girlfriends call me Bougetto. You're going to get both of them on stage. Why? Because that's who I am. I don't care if I'm standing on stage at a corporation, in a church, if I'm at a government entity, everywhere you go, your brand shouldn't shift. What happens is that's when people begin to feel you. They feel if you're being fake or being real. So if I could be the funny Nicole, I could be the, the little bit ghetto sometimes, a little, little ratchet. Don't judge me, but I am. Right? I like ratchet music and I love Jesus. Get your life together, right? So if I can act like that on stage, people can feel that that's who I am as Bridget's laughing at me right now, right? But I want you to get, you don't have to shift. And people go, oh, there's something about you I'm being real let me say the other piece to that is being vulnerable so a few minutes ago I just told you my story of working entertainment and I felt like something was missing so when I well listen when I start talking about that I felt like I had a hole in my soul I'm vulnerable in the first few minutes that's the reason all of us most of us not all of us love Oprah because she has been vulnerable all the time she had her TV show, we watched her, listen, her mess become her message from losing weight to going through rape from I can go on and on. And so it's really allowing people in to the mess that is you. You have nothing to hide or prove or pretend, but it's showing people that you are where they are or you were where they are and allows them to see the journey in you showing your whole self. You know what? A lot of times people are hesitant to be vulnerable, are hesitant to air their quote unquote dirty laundry or right. 
don't want to show their mess because they think it takes away from their credibility. They think it makes them look weak. But here's the thing, everybody, you need to make sure that there is a healthy balance. Yeah. You don't just sit there and pour your soul out and pour your life out and oh, this happened. You don't be crying on stage, like boo crying. Right, <laughs> Damn, sure. right, right. Yes, right. I mean, be yourself, but also give them something that they can learn from that can transform them. Make sure you have a balance of giving of yourself, putting yourself on display, if you will. But then Mm -hmm. also you're giving the audience something that they can use that it's not just this sob story where you sound like you're at your therapist lying on the couch, but you're giving them a little bit of you, but then you're also giving them a lot to grow on and to learn from. And can I tell you, so when I'm working with my clients, I call this story selling. Because what you're doing when you tell your story the right way is you're showing your clients what it looks like to go from down in the valley to the mountaintop. So it really is showing the journey if you're willing to be vulnerable enough and you'll pick up everybody that's your ideal client. Everybody's not your ideal client. You got to understand that. But the people that are that are in the audience will hear themselves in your story. So you have to be willing to go there in order for them to see themselves in your journey. And make sure you're teaching them, you're telling them what the takeaway is, what the lesson is, what you want them to take from what happened to you, what you want them to take Mm -hmm. and use to make themselves better. That's the turning point. That's the difference between hearing the same old story or Mm -hmm. feeling bored by you getting up there, giving them this whole litany of your life. Yeah, You know, what's interesting. How many times have you, Bridget, this has happened to me, gone to a conference, excited to hear a speaker. I'm like, I'm going just for this person. They get on stage and they are so boring. And the only reason they're boring is because they are telling you their whole resume and I did this and I and I and I and it's like, okay, and what about me? How does that have to do with me? And so you feel like they're just bragging for an hour. And it's just like so boring. And so you've really got to shift that so that again, when you do it in a way that pulls people into your journey, it doesn't sound like bragging. It, it, uh, It really sounds like you're shedding a light on what's possible for them. Exactly. But I've got to brag on you for a second. Now that you've given the audience some value, I can tell them a little bit more about who you are. Everybody, (laughs) Dr. Nicole Roberts-Jones is uniquely gifted at one thing, and you can tell already, drawing out what is best in you and helping you take your brilliance to the bank, your brilliance to the bank. A veteran of the entertainment industry, Nicole worked in talent management and casting before shifting her talents to help others bankroll their brilliance. Now she works with entrepreneurs to create multiple streams of income from what they already know in order to build an empire from their expertise. Additionally, she provides training and development to corporations to raise employee engagement and retention. And some of her clients include the Steve Harvey World Group, Dell EMC, McDonald's, Blue Cross Blue Shield, uh, Lisa Nichols, and Motivating the Masses, just to name a few. Now, I want to talk more about, (laughs) we've talked about what do you do before you get on the stage, and that is your attire, and then after you get on the stage, making sure you're vulnerable. Can I tell you another secret real quick? So listen, you guys, I told you I was shy, so I hired a speaker coach a couple mm, probably like 10 15 years ago and here's what he told me to do he told me to meditate because I still I talk fast so when I'm nervous I talk faster so two things well let me say this first my pastor that day when I asked him about being nervous he said the reason you're nervous is because you want to be good for other people if you're ever not nervous that means you're full of yourself number one okay so nerves are good so when I hired that speaker coach so that I can 
try to control my nerves because sometimes I'd be so nervous. I'd be talking so fast. I couldn't even pull myself back. He told me to meditate before I go on stage. So because I'm so nosy, if I'm going to be honest and transparent and I can't, you know, I want to see what's happening before I go on stage, I literally meditate with my eyes open. So I sit back at the stage and my team laughs at me because I'll be looking at people and paying attention when I'm breathing. Right. But I noticed that breathing calms me down enough that I don't go out talking really fast and it, and it calms my nerves down enough that I'm only nervous for the first two minutes. And then I catch myself and I'm good. <laughs> but if I don't right. meditate with my eyes open, I, I'm, I'm a hot mess when I go out there. Wow. And there are some people where they need to meditate, eyes open, eyes closed. There are some people who need to listen to music. There are some people who need to jump. Everybody figure out what is that thing that just kind of clears your head and gets you in the moment and sets you up to feel like a rock star and go out there and perform. And for some people, maybe you don't need anything. I know for me, I need quiet. Don't talk to me. No, don't ask me if I need water or anything. I I will figure (laughs) it out. I'm good. Don't bother me. Right, right. But I'm trying to be polite, okay? That's why I saw somebody with me. I'm like, please tell them I'm meditating, but my eyes are open because I'm nosy. And, and people laugh. They, I see When I see people laughing, I know my assistant has told them that I'm meditating with my eyes open. And I smile and I'll nod my head, but I'm really trying to keep my, so yeah, girl, I'm the same way, but yeah, I'm nosy, so I can't do it with my eyes closed. Right, right. No, I don't want to come and sit in the back of the room and wait for the other speaker to finish. No, I don't. No, leave me alone. Okay, in a little bit, you will have an opportunity to ask me a question, Nicole. In the meantime, I want you to tell me what is, what's a a, a fear that you had, like a huge fear. I know you were shy Mm -hmm. or still are shy, but like, what's a huge fear that you've had to overcome when it, when it comes to presenting? I think um, just my biggest thing that I had to get over is being in my comfort zone. What I realized is your comfort zone is where your dreams go to die. You know, when we grow, the more we grow. Now, when I was 23, I, you know, we have no inhibition in our 20s. Now I'm in my 50s. Oh, I said it out loud. And so because I've had so much life experience, there are things that have that have happened to me or things that I've done wrong that when it comes up, I'm like, Ugh. so I have to be willing now to risk it all to gain it all, which means I've got to do it afraid. So I've learned in, in this life is that I have to stop and be strategic you know, God doesn't tell us to have stupid faith. <laughs> so you've got to do it in a way that you have a wise faith, but really not to be so comfortable that I miss out on an opportunity. And it's harder now, I'll tell you, Bridget, because now the opportunities that come are bigger. So they're much more comfortable than they were before. But I've had to learn what do I need to do to trust, not me, but the God that gave me this opportunity or the gifts that God has put inside of me that have given me this opportunity. And then I got to go meditate with my eyes open. But yeah, so it's, it's doing it afraid is what. So I think every just about every opportunity I get now, I'm afraid because I'm like, I can't do that. Like I had a big, big, big celebrity client call me right in a faith based arena. I've done entertainment. But when a faith based celebrity called me, I was like, oh, right. And so I had to say when I prayed, God was like, that's because she needs you. But I was like, but why? Why does she need me? Right. And I said, "Okay, Nicole, stop breathe and trust yourself. So I always have to have this like conversation with myself, being uncomfortable, knowing that's an emotion and that fear comes to stop you from your abundantly above all. So if I'm going to go after abundantly above all, I know that I got to do it afraid and trust the gifts that are in me. Wow. Wow. You really have to, you really have to have more confidence and more trust in yourself. And especially if someone calls you and asks you to do something, there's a reason behind that. Right. 
And even can I tell you when I went to, I got hired to speak at MIT. Now I'm no scientist, no technology person. So I was so intimidated. So this is what I did that day. Now I was going to speak to black and brown students, but I didn't care. I still have never, I don't know any, look, I can't add in my head. Okay. Let alone any kind of technology. So when I went never my sat in the audience and I did it on purpose so that I could kind of connect and so when they introduced me and I got up from the audience and went to the front, the girl, and then like I could say, I talked to Bridget and I talked to so-and-so and I could talk from the conversations we were having. It helped me get more comfortable because then I realized they were just like me. And even though I wasn't going to teach technology, but still I'm intimidated. All these smart, you know, young kids and, you know, please, my, my, uh, look, my undergraduate degree is TV and film has nothing to do with adding, subtracting, science, nothing. So I, in order for me to get over that, it helped me to connect to them heart to heart, soul to soul. And just seeing them as people and not being worried about, oh yeah. my goodness, they know so much more about technology or math or what have you. But yeah, they're a person just like me and put their pants on one leg at a time. Like, just, and I'm not going in there to teach technology. So why would you. I, you know, but exactly. that's your emotion, the fear that comes up that sure. tries to stop you because, yeah. you know, it's like, you're not going in to teach any of that. So why would you even be afraid of it? <laughs> I had similar trepidation and hesitation recently where someone, uh, you know, booked me to speak at a women's retreat that was faith-based. And I was like, my goodness. And, and she wanted me to do a session on effective communication mm -hmm. and just showing up as yourself, understanding right. how you prefer to communicate as well as how others prefer to communicate and breaking down barriers. And the whole time I'm just... Oh, I hope they don't expect me to go in here quoting some Bible verses. I was even texting my girlfriend. I was like, oh my gosh, you know, and I'm standing outside and I'm listening mm -hmm. and, and there's a vibe, right? right. And, and I have more of a corporate buttoned up vibe. Right. <laughs> I even have my little black suit on and I was like, I'm going to go in here and I'm going to talk about what I know. And then I stopped and I said, well, yeah. That's what she booked you to do was come in and talk about what, you know, she didn't say anything about you bringing a Bible about right. you having to have any verses to go along right. with your session. So remember, if so you're good. called upon to do something, it's because, well, the person who's asking you fully believes you've got this. Oh, and can I tell you another story? Listen, we're going to be storytelling uh, similar to that. So I was speaking at a faith-based conference as well. And I don't listen. I'm, I, I'm clear my business is my ministry, but I don't go into the, mm, I don't hack. I don't do right? that when I peek. Okay. So the woman before me, and I was the last speaker, had everybody laid out in the spirit. So I am sitting in my seat going, oh my God. Right. So I am like looking up new Bible verses and God is like, nope do you but I don't do that Lord I promise you people speaking in tongues people I, mean, I was like oh my god so literally here I come and I get up my little you know and and at this particular event I, I my favorite girl in the Bible is Esther so I did this whole thing on Esther and I gave them three steps to have there for such a time as this moment so when I finish now mind you I still did the thing I was going to do and you guys already know I'm one part funny. I tell a story. I, you know, I give you some activation because I need you to be able to implement for what I teach you. I go in the back and then I'm like, why is her table got to be next to mine? Her table, her line is going to be out the door. So I'm like, really, Lord, talking to myself, really, Lord. So do you know my, my line is longer than hers? And it's only because, and I want you guys to get this one, I was who I am. You've got to know when someone calls you, like you just said, Bridget, to go somewhere, you don't need to be anything but you. And number two, I gave people activation. And while they were laid out in the spirit, that goes away 20 minutes later. If I can activate what you've learned from her laying you out in the spirit, that's going to last you for a lifetime. So you've got to know the difference and how you want to show up and what you want people to walk away with and not shift it no matter what.
I tell people whenever they get ready to deliver a presentation, sit down and figure out exactly how it's going to go. Ask yourself, what do I want people to know or to be able to do by the end of my presentation? Does that mean you want them to go out and take some kind of action? Do you want them to change something that they're doing, change their thinking? What do you want them to do? And then reverse engineer it. That's all the time. And you're spot on. I had a Mm follow-up call with the event. uh, uh, contact yesterday Mm -hmm. and you know and she said Bridget they absolutely loved you I'm talking about love you and they want more and so we're talking about what are next steps to give Mm -hmm. them more and that's only because you were authentically you had you shifted yourself to be like this other person which isn't who you are but I see so many people do this right I see so many speakers that go oh I want to be like so-and-so well God didn't gift you to be like so-and-so so any day if I woke up and I said to myself okay this one I think I want to be Bridget yeah I'd fail every day because God didn't put the DNA in me. And I call DNA your distinct natural ability for me to be any el- anybody else but me. So if I could be a doggone great Dr. Nicole Roberts-Jones, then I am hitting the ball out of the park every time I stand up. So it's really being true to who you are and not shifting. When you see somebody else that you see is doing great, give them their flowers and say, oh, girl, you are, good. you are great, but be you and don't try to be anybody else. Couldn't have said it better myself. Okay, what is your question for me? So what made you become a speaker? Right, so uh, you know what? We've got to go back to church. We've got to go back. (laughs) It always goes back to the church house. So I was the Sunday school secretary when I was, Mm. I don't know, maybe 10, 12-ish or something like that, Uh up until I finally graduated high school and went off to college. And that was my moment of pride. Every Sunday morning, I got up and it was a very small Methodist church. I mean, I I don't even know that we had 100 members. I don't know how many we had, but it was a very (laughs) small church and even smaller congregation at Sunday school. People came Mm -hmm. for 11 o'clock, but they weren't showing up for 930 Sunday school. I was so proud to stand in front of the 10, 15 people maybe and give my report. And that's kind of where it started, if I'm honest Mm -hmm. with myself. Mm -hmm. And then in high school, I would do prose and compete in UIL and Mm -hmm. read and do interpretive reading and so on. And it was just- It came natural for me, right? Right, right. I went off to college and I became a communication major. Actually, Mm. when I got to college, Nicole, I bumped into a cousin who was from that same small town. Mm -hmm. And he asks me, he says, well, Bridget, what's your major? Now, listen. I I don't know, right? right, (laughs) Because that's how I was. (laughs) Right, right. yes. I said, "Uh, what major, what's what's that? And he was like, well, (laughs) you do understand that you don't just go to college for four years and they hand you a degree. They've got to give you a degree in something. So he says, you know what? You like to speak. You're a pretty good writer. You've always loved to read. Let's go put you in communication. So I became mm. a communication major. And the thank God for him, right? <laughs> thank exactly. I should text him when I hang up from you when we finish this and just remind him of that. Like I'm not right. even kidding you. I'd been on campus maybe two or three weeks as an undecided mm. major. And I I like I had no clue whatsoever. Right. And then right. one thing led to another, and here I am speaking. Yeah. Well, I love it. it. I love it. And I see the trajectory. You know, it's funny, my undergraduate degree, I thought I wanted to be a journalist. And listen, listen, I wrote my first article and I was like, the sky is blue and, and the, the, the leaves are, and the teacher's like, nobody cares about the sky or the leaves. He said, you have too much drama in you. And I said, drama. That's what I'm, so my, my major was drama with emphasis in TV and film. So I took acting classes too, but for the most part, it was staging and lighting and producing and all the production aspects. So yeah, girl, I went from writing stuff and having too much drama to now my husband still says I'm full of drama in a good way. 
<laughs> we have to keep them on their toes. My husband thinks I'm a little, yeah, I'm right. on 10 and I need to dial it down to about a seven most days. Mm-hmm. Eh, you know, whatever. whatever. They love you, us. Look, you asked me to marry you. Anyway, they, that's a whole nother thing, right? <laughs> how you doing? <laughs> okay. Oh my goodness, Nicole. What else do we need to cover that we've not talked about to make sure people know how to own the microphone? The only thing I'd like to say is what most people overlook is that you need to be more than a speaker. Those of you that want to do it, you need to have a speaking business. So if you don't mind, I have a free gift. Those of you, and I see so many people do this, you know, uh, it's called uh, my bankroll your brilliance book, bankroll your book.com. It walks you through 15 ways that you should make money from your gift. And I say that because not only should you have a business, but here's what I, what I, what I want you guys to get. When you are on stage for 45 to 60 minutes is great, but people need more from you than that 45 to 60 minutes. It's almost irresponsible for you not to be able to offer a way to continue the work. And so that way is to have a business where you have, where there's a program, uh, coaching, some way that you can. And those of you that are working a nine to five, what I love to teach my clients, I call it making money in your sleep because somebody's going through one of my programs and I'm not there. So it's teaching my clients really how to create multiple streams of income so that you can serve more people and continue to go speak or work your nine to five or travel, whatever that does and whatever you want to do when your business doesn't stop. Love it, love it, love it. You definitely have to have those additional streams. Mm -hmm. You'll see people who will publish a book and then they think that just the book sells are going to take care of everything. And no, there needs to be more. There needs to be coaching. There needs to be- And look, I think I must must have a story for everything because my first book, I've had a few, got published by a publishing house. And I was so excited because they called me and told me I was the best-selling author for that quarter. So girl, I was like, yes, I'm going to quit my full-time job. Yes. Do you know I got my check, y'all? It was $300. Yes, $300. I can believe it. I was it. like, what, what can I do with this? I can't even pay my rent at the time. I can't buy groceries for a quarter with $300. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and then even with a book, it's irresponsible for you not to offer a continuation because they need someone reading a book and doing the work is two different things. Sometimes there are things in your blind spot that you'll never see without a coach helping you get through that. So again, you know, whether you're a speaker or author or both, you need an additional way to continue the work for those that need it from you. Absolutely. I, you're spot on with it. I cannot disagree with you. <laughs> Let me tell you, this has been such an enjoyable conversation. Yeah. I have, I've just, you know, had such a blast with you. Same here. We kick in like old girlfriends. Yes. <laughs> I know. I know. Like we were on campus together. Right, right. <laughs> well, Dr. Nicole Roberts Jones, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. For sure. Everybody, make sure you go out, visit bankrollyourbrilliancebook.com. You will not be disappointed. Also, to learn more about Nicole, visit her website, nicolerobertsjones.com. Book her for your next engagement. She is going to light your audience on fire and have you walking away in a better position than you were before you met her. Everybody, I'm Bridget McGowan. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you or I will talk with you next time on Own the Microphone.